Hey guys, Dan here. Just wanted to say a quick thank you for supporting the podcast. And if you'd like to advertise your business on the podcast in a slot just like this, please contact me at fisticuffs underscore podcast on Instagram. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the podcast. So here I am with Simon Forrest. How are we doing, my man? How are you finding um, quarantine? Uh, yeah, it's all right. I mean, it hasn't affected me. I mean, I'm not happy about the situation, but it's not really affected my life too much. I mean, I'm still working. I have been all the way through. Um, obviously, the training and that took a bit of a hit. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not great. But um, I'm still working. I'm still earning money. So... It's all good on that side of things. Yeah, are you working with um Dan McGowan? Well, yeah, he works for me. Yeah, I sort of employed him originally uh, a few years back as like as a pad man, really. That's it. <laughs> just helping him out. He, he's helped he's helped me out a lot in my career. Um, he's one of my main training partners, and probably I've had quite a few trainers over the years, but he's like my ma- main person who's helped me the most. So I've sort of like it kind of works both ways. I give him work when he, when he's not in Thailand fighting, obviously he's broke his hand, as you know. Um, so he just sort of comes and works with me and then I make him pad me every day and that. <laughs> so it's all right. This is it. So you keep, you said that there about different sort of training partners and everything else, different coaches. How did, where did it all start then? How did you get into it in the first place? Right. So, I mean, so I got into it quite late. So I'm 34 now. Um, but I didn't start Thai boxing until I was 25. So the story behind it really is, I mean, I used to, from sort of 15 to 25, I was heavily involved in drugs and drink and just getting myself in all sorts of dramas, whether it be getting arrested for stuff and just rolling from one disaster to the next, really, and and partying a lot. Um, So, yeah, so... um, when I was about 24, I was like on the end of like a sort of quite a bad Valium addiction that I got myself in. Um, and then I was expecting my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, was expecting my first child. And then, so he, he was born, Callum, um, in summer 2000, um, sorry, March 2010. Fuck, that'll get me in trouble. <laughs> um, and I just thought oh, I need to sort my life out now like I'm I'm 25 I'm now a father and it was like I got I got to sort my shit out you know what I mean I hadn't really done any I'd, I'd go to the gym to sort of get a beach body to for a lad summer holiday in Ibiza but I hadn't really done any fitness since I gave up football when I was like about 17 so I was like well I need to sort of sort my life out um I'm a dad now do you know what I mean so um I started Thai boxing and um just to get fit at first and then I, I really enjoyed it and then uh, I got asked my coach at the time Sean Boland he asked if I wanted to do an interclub I was like yeah yeah alright so I had a go at an interclub and it was just like the buzz was amazing and then I started feeling I started I thought oh, I really like this so I carried on I kept kept doing it and then um, but I was still smoking I was still going out drinking and that and then I noticed when I'd go out at the weekend and I'd, I'd drink and that, and I'd come back to training, and I, I, I was getting my ass handed to me. I was gassing and sparring. I thought, nah, this this is not right. So I sort of started knocking it on the head and just 
got hooked on Muay Thai, really, and then literally just completely transformed my life, to be honest. It can transform my mindset, everything. And I just changed from being addicted to partying to just Muay Thai. And just lived it and breathed it every, ever since and haven't stopped. So it's about nine years now. It'll be ten years at, uh, towards the end of this year that I've been doing it every single day. <laughs> So going back to like the sort of starting like transitional period, why Thai boxing? Because from the outside, it's not as commercial. It's not as well marketed as like say MMA or boxing. How did you? Where did Muay Thai come into? It? Was there someone you knew who was already training it? Was it well, someone local? Yeah, to you? basically there was. Um, I, I was going to. I thought oh, I need to get fit. Um, do you know what I mean? So I, I went to go to uh, circuit training at the local like rec center where I live. And a couple of my mates, uh, Pete Cowson and another lad, Jason Mitchell, they were like, "Oh, come, come, tie boxing." They were sort of, they had a tie boxing thing there, and I was like, "All right." So, I sort of, they pulled, twisted my arm, and I went along, and I just fell in love with it, <laughs> and just never stopped really. Um, well, this is quite interesting because you were saying at the start about your like various addictions and that kind of. I don't know. Again, like quite addictive personality. What it sounds like. So, regards of <clears throat> that transition to then. I don't know. What would happen if you didn't have it as such? Like, what really brought that on in the first place? It doesn't to really sound like a counseling session, but it's all meant to be like, I'm trying to get a bit of understanding as to what... What what, what, wouldn't, what would have happened if I hadn't found Muay Thai? No, as in like when you... <clears throat> before you started, you said you had these like, the going on the benders, you know, and the drugs and the drink as well. <laughs> benders is something separate. That's a different conversation. But um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that kind of... um, Where did that come from? Was that just coming out and I like, mean yeah no like I wasn't I think it's just it's kind of like it's growing up it's part of growing up for a lot of people I mean it's it, England is like party scene I love to party do you know what I mean I, I wasn't um I used to do like sort of so when I probably from an early age 13 14 I probably started smoking cannabis and um and then you start drinking and going out with your mates and then sort of and then I got into the, the drum and bass scene, like sort of 16-year-old, and started taking ecstasy and doing a lot of that, um, just weekends sort of thing. Um, and then that kind of like, just part, I just looked like to party, I had a good group of mates, we'd all go out, we'd just get shit-faced. And it was just sort of a lot of the, I suppose the English culture is what people do, their weekend comes and fucking everyone's getting on it. And, and, and it is easy to get sort of stuck in the rut, but then... Obviously, where I where where the where my downfall was on that side of things. I mean, because a lot of people do it. I don't think it's a bad thing in moderation, but where my downfall was, where I when I was sort of in my sort of twenty two, twenty three, I was going out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, drinking, snorting a lot of cocaine, and then I was taking Valium to sort of ease the anxiety and the, the come down, so to speak, and then. It's sort of before you know it, it's uh, like it's a highly, highly addictive drug. They say it's. I remember the doctor saying it's it's more addictive than heroin, Valium, but it's not. It might not have as bad of consequences, but it's it's like it's an opioid, so it's very addictive. So before I knew it, I didn't really know it. I didn't really know I was addicted until my mates were like, "Fuck, you need to sort yourself out." But, but yeah, so it's that really. <laughs> I mean, this, that kind of thing is really interesting. And when you were saying about getting into Muay Thai, how was that transition as such? Was it you were still going out and having the same like level of like sessions and stuff? Or is it like start watering down a bit? Or was it like no, a clean yeah, cut? Def- 
definitely water, definitely watered down. I mean, it, I was kind of off the. I, I, I wasn't. I weren't like a junkie. I weren't a bad lad. I was. I was just a bit off the rails. You know, like a, a lot of people are at that mm. age. You don't really know what you're doing. You live for the weekend, and you sort of it spirals out of control a bit. You find yourself in and out of you know trouble. But once I got into Muay Thai, it was like it helped give me give me like focus. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it just sort of everything just started improving in my life. And obviously, if if I went out and drank at the weekend, and then I'd come in and I was really enjoying Muay Thai, I'd come in on a Monday to Muay Thai, and I'd be gassing by round three on the pads, or I'd get beaten up by someone in sparring that I was beating the week before because because of the you know because of what I'd done at the weekend. So I sort of started realizing, putting two together quit the fags, quit the drink, thought, this is this is what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? And then I just, yeah, just fell in love with it. So it's just like, it, you can't, you can't do both. Do you know what I mean? Not, if you want to, if you want to get far. I mean, I'm not saying you can't ever have a session and be a fighter, but if you're, if you want to do something, it's all or nothing. Do you know what I mean? If, if you want to progress, you need to be fully dedicated in, in a sport like, in any fighting sport, it's you might be able to wing it if you're good at football or something. But fighting, the levels are, and the fitness and that, you have to be dedicated and you have to be clean, or you you just you, you can't progress. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's it. Something's got to give when it comes to that. So if we go more into your training, then. So obviously you then started, as you said, like, relatively late into the game because obviously with it comes to like Muay Thai, especially you get kids doing it from like since they can walk, they start doing it. So you yeah, got stuck it. in. What was your kind of plan from there on? Was you were just enjoying it as you were going, or was it you wanted to start competing? What was your initial? So yeah, so um, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to fight. Um, I thought, all right, yeah, I want to like, I want to at least have one sort of pro fight. I stopped, I looked around of a, of a couple of the people that have had pro fights, and I thought, this isn't, this isn't, this is achievable. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, and I just loved it. I loved. It. I loved getting stuck in. So I was. I was doing the interclubs, and I was a little bit. I was one of them, <laughs> one of those people that I couldn't. I, I, anyone who knows me, they know. We, we, like, for years, I've been known as somebody who spars hard. Do you know what I mean? So I'm a lot better now than I was. But I just love love a fight. <laughs> I love. I get stuck in, and, and I was doing the interclubs, and it was just like it, it wasn't enough. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit of like you build up all the anxiety, the nerves before and everyone watching and then you've got to calm down. I was like, nah, I mean, I need to fight. So I just sort of committed myself 100% and just proved my worth because at the time that my coach, Sean Boland, he was he was so strict. He's like, if you didn't give 100% effort, if you missed a training session, you couldn't fight. So he sort of, so I just did everything that he wanted me to do and then I had a fight and sort of went from there. So to sort of, I don't know, break this down a bit more. So obviously you've then put all your eggs now in this basket of this is the fight, this is the important thing. I've got this, I don't know, it's pent up frustration, like you need to blow your load almost. You've got this big sort of build to anticlimax. Now you finally get the actual fight. What what was the training process like? Because that kind of, I don't know, that stress... Sounds like it would give a lot of anxiety, that kind of, I don't know, so overly cautious about missing sessions and making sure you're all in, not missing anything. I don't know. What was that preparation like? Yeah, it was just, it was, um, 
do you know what? I say it's horrendous, but it's not. I just loved it. I love everything about it. I love the training. I love pushing myself. I love being strict. It's good when you've got something to aim for. It just it just helped me focus so much. It like it trans it just transformed my life. Like having a focus, having a fight, it gave me gives you reason to get up in the morning, pushing yourself. I don't know. It just I know, I started noticing everything in my life improving from having that focus do you know what i mean and being pushed being pushed hard and that i don't know i just love it mate <laughs> just love it like it just I don't, there's nothing there's nothing like it i think you know you, you have to it's, it's hard to explain i mean you know yourself what mm. competing's like it's, you know you just it, i'm all or nothing so that's the thing i was when like it's, it's you've got to be a hundred percent You've got to be. You've got to put it all in. If you half ass, it's fighting. It's not like a game of football. You haven't got. Yeah, you've got your corner team and that's there. But you, at the end of the day, you're in there on your own. It's you or him. You can't half assed go about it. You've got to give all or nothing because otherwise you'll just get hurt or, or embarrassed. You know, I've still been hurt and embarrassed throughout my career. Don't get me wrong, but there'd be nothing worse than thinking I didn't do enough. Do you know what I mean? At least if you give it your all, then you, you can't really do much more, can you? Well, this is what I was trying to sort of really get to with this, is more understanding, I don't know, your sort of psychology about it all, because it seems like, again, you've gone from the sort of the sessions letting loose 100% and having fun with that, to then, okay, I've got all the same energy, but in something more fitness-based, more like, you know, productive. So you're doing this, all your eggs in this one basket. What was your expectation with the fight? Was it you wanted to have just the terror itself? Is it you wanted the recognition of being, okay, I've done this, I've achieved this goal? What was your real motivation behind it all? Do you know what? I, I think, personally, for me, the fight itself is obviously like the icing on the cake. Like, you want the fight, you want the glory. But for me, it's not... The fight isn't the main thing. I always want to fight. I always want to focus because it helps me train better. But I love everyday training, feeling good. I think the natural high you get off training Muay Thai or, or any sort of, I'm not going to say martial art because I, I think that's, I don't think that's right. I think like fight sport, combat sport, mm. you know, like MMA, Muay Thai, boxing. I think the, the, the high you get off that, like every day I'm buzzing, you know, you, you, you have a shit day at work or whatever, or you've got problems, you go and hit five rounds of pads and have a good spar and get punched, punch someone, kick them. Do you know what I mean? You come away, you're feeling good. So you're kind of like constantly uplifted and feeling good. It, do you know what I mean? So I think it's more, for me, I love fighting. I always want to fight. But I think it's the whole process itself. Do you know what I mean? It's not just the fight or the the result of the fight. It's, it's the everything that comes with it, all the training, all the running. The only thing that has been, the, only, the hardest thing probably for me is is the dieting, which ne it never used to be hard. I've gone a little bit slack the last year or so, but um, I'm going to whip that. I'm going to get on top of that as soon as lockdown's done and dusted. <laughs> Who are you saying that for? Who's going to be listening to this you're having to answer to? <laughs> no, I don't have to answer to anyone. I, I, I sort of I think some people will probably pull me up, pull me up on it. Like people who work with me will see me eating crisps or something. So I have to get it in there before they start calling me a liar. <laughs> There's a few things I kind of wanted to really get into. So when I was asking that kind of question, it was basically about curious what your initial 
back to where the plans are as such, because again, you've got this energy, you think, okay, this is what I really like doing. Then it's trying to understand what you're doing it for and also trying to really get what the end goal is as such. And along the way of having that, initially I wasn't sure if it was trying to prove people wrong, but from the sounds of things, everyone was really supportive and actively encouraging you to do it. What was the, I don't know, the atmosphere when it came to you saying, I want to fight, I want to get stuck in, was it like, yeah, you can do anything you want, or is it like, are you too old for it? What was the initial? Well, so yeah, I think everyone was supportive at first. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've had, I I have had a lot of people or or people close to me, friends, etc., um say um i oh, like oh, you, you, why don't you just why don't you give it up you're never going to be a champion all that sort of thing so that, that i have had that i've had a lot of friends be supportive but i have had a lot of naysayers as well so it, that encouraged that gave me a bit of a boost even more to prove them wrong so i suppose there is a uh some of that as well just like it's but not it's not like it just spurred me on more to sort of, if someone says you can't do something, like, I fucking can. Like, who are you to tell me? I can't? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then proving them wrong. So there, there was a lot of people I've proved wrong and there's a, you know, so. <laughs> so regards of, so you've had that that fight after you're in the clubs. You got yeah. stuck in. What was your plan then? Did you just want to keep going as long as you could? Was yeah, there anything just, else in, just, in particular? So I just, yeah, it was like, I just want to have a few fights, you know, um, it was quite quick, so I had, I had sort of, I had uh, one fight. My first fight, I got, I got stitched up a bit with the weight and that, and I got, I got battered. I didn't perform very well, and then I won my next two fights, and then I fought a lad, um, Connor McCormack, um, from Northampton. Um, you are you from Northampton? Well, I live in Bedford, and I, Bedford, I train no, Northampton. Right. Yeah, yeah, you train at BST, didn't you? Yeah. Um, so I had a fight with uh, Connor McCormack, who was. A very experienced junior and he was from a very good uh, gym so I fought him and I, and I sort of I did all right but then um I'd kind of and then I fought in Thailand so this is all in the first year so I had like five fights in the first year and, I, and then um I got like as far as I could with the gym I was at and I ended up um training with Daniel in I think 2013 and then moving over to Superpetch, which was in Northampton, um, which was just a gym. Like it was, it, I mean, um, yeah, it was one of the best gyms in the in the country at the time, and it had so many fighters. And I went there as like a C class fighter, and um, yeah, just got beat up every single day for about a year. <laughs> and but I just loved it. Like it's it's kind of if you're not. I could just see the progression that I made when I was there and I was getting better, but I was getting beat up every day, but I was surrounded by such a good team and, and such so, so good high level, top level fight, like world level fighters and, and that. So it just sort of, uh, it's just amazing. So it just spurred me on and brought my level up dramatically. And then I realized being there, realized I can actually, I can actually make something. I can actually go far with the team around me. I've got so it sort of just got me even more hooked. <laughs> so is Super Petch the same as Petch Not? Am I getting it all mixed up? Yes. So Super Petch was um, Liam's gym, Liam Robinson, but he, unfortunately he died tragically in um, to at the end of 2014, and then Scott Robinson took um, like carried it on 
carried on Super Petch, but re rebranded it as Petch Noi. Um, and then yeah, so I, st- I stayed there um, with Scott, and I had five or six fights for Scott um, that year from 2000, oh, 2015, 2016, and then um, and then we, um, I'm one of my best mates, Steve Rifamata. I think you've, yeah, I think yeah. you know him. So he's opened Rough Diamonds MMA and asked me to be to teach Thai boxing, and it's something I always wanted to do, but I wanted, but not quite yet. But then he sort of opened the gym, and it just wasn't. Um, it, it, so I started teaching there and fighting out of Rough Diamonds to promote them rather than Petchnoi. Yeah, well, it's a mystery I got confused with, all, isn't it? <laughs> so I'm getting my timelines mixed up here. So were you at um, Super Petch? Petch? I'm trying to get this right. What? Were you at Super Petch when um, Liam was there? Yeah, so I was at Super Petch when Liam was there. I had four fights, four or five fights under Liam, um, and like he, he was, it was so, it was, he was wicked, man. We had such a good team like around us. Um, but Liam always said to me because I was, I used to perform well in the gym, and um, and then, but he was, but then on the night, um, I think it was there was such a high level there, like the expectation to fight well I think I put a lot of pressure on myself so I was I was good in the gym but then when it would come to fight night I'd kind of I wouldn't perform to how I could because I got too nervous I was too worried about trying to impress Liam and um, live up to the expectations of your Daniel McGowan's and Panikos and Conor McCormack etc that I, I just weren't performing on the night and then um, Liam was like you need to you need to go and see Tony who was Liam's coach. And then that's, and then after Liam passed, um, I went and saw Tony, like he said, and had a like hypnosis. And then that completely changed my whole game. And then everything was on point. And, and then that's where I leveled up again. Well, this is a few things I kind of want to get into here. So we break down a bit. So when you were trained with, obviously, Dan McGowan initially, and like all the other guys around there did you try and copy them or did you try and or did you feel you were influencing from them as such um i don't know what i've what i've learned over the years i mean yeah probably trying to there was a lot of different styles there i mean there there was different styles there it was all similar sort of style but everyone was good at different things their clinch was really really strong um so yeah, I suppose some some of the things I try and copy, but then I've kind of developed my own style over the years. So I think you learn bits off everyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the mm-hmm. fundamentals, yeah, were, were taught to me there. Definitely the fundamentals I learned from Super Petch and Prachal Sua, and sort of um, from that way of teaching. But then you sort of you pick up different things. Um, I think a lot of things you pick up when they get done to you, inspiring. Yes, is it? <laughs> like, like, I remember, I, I still do it now. I remember Panikos, um, Panikos Yusef, he always used to, he was really strong in the clinch, so he always used to do this thing where he swung his arm around and grabbed my head. And now I like, I do that to people regularly now. And 
yeah, so you do you definitely the, the more training partners and sparring partners. You, I think sparring, I think personally, is the best way to learn how to fight, which makes sense really. If you want to learn how to fight, then fight. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, it does make sense because a lot of what sparring is to the outside sort of world, what it definitely is is trial and error. I want to yeah. try this, and if it doesn't work, why didn't it work? And then you just keep on doing this kind of problem solving, and then so on and so on and so forth. You keep building up these reactions and understanding. But the real sort of thing I was trying to get with this is not so much the literal copying, it's more the psychological kind of thing. I thinking, okay, so here we are with what's it, so we've got this situation now, you're in this gym, you're with these guys. Do you feel you belong there in your own right, or do you feel like you're trying to copy them to try and be one of them to try and fit in as such at that level? Yeah. So I yeah, so uh heart i always had heart always had skill but mentally looking around the the i was surrounded by winners they they won like they meant mentally i wasn't there whereas they were do you know what i mean that was that was the that's i mean obviously their skill set was better than that as well but that's what really separated i think a lot of the people i was surrounded by was their mentality they they won they always won i think that's what put a lot of pressure on me as well is they were always winning you know mm. but it's like it's like daniel for example go back to mcgowan he he literally believes he's the best in the world like i see it he doesn't he doesn't have any doubt his mindset is bulletproof he believes he's going to win he believes he can beat everyone and most of the time he does and and that's one thing that you i mean some people might get it but you can't get that overnight for me it took a long time to develop that i believe in my skills now but like i said back to the the mindset my mind was probably weaker than a lot of people um at super Pitch. but when i started working with tony myers who is who was liam's coach and dean james's coach he um done some mind work with me like hypnosis and that sort of reprogrammed my mind sub my subconscious mind and that was a complete game changer so like whenever i go into a fight now i'm i'm sweet mentally like i'm do you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't really affect me i think i've had i think i'd had 10 fights before i had had, had the hypnosis um i'm on 29 fights now and i think only once i mean i've lost fights don't get me wrong you, you, you can't you can't guarantee to win but you can guarantee to go in with the right mindset but i think um there's only been one one fight that I've lost badly mind. And again, that was, uh, that was, I lost the fight, not because of my skills, because of, because of my uh, mental state. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So the whole thing with hypnosis, so, yeah. sorry, I thought you finished. Go on. Oh, so... No, yeah. So yeah, my, my <laughs> mindset is, 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 mindset is, if your mind's not right, you know, like you can be as strong and fit and, and what and skillful as ever but if you don't believe if you if you don't like you said if do you believe you're supposed to be there if you don't believe that you should be there or you're capable then you're going to fall short you know the mindset is mindset is just as important as all the physical at, uh, attributes definitely well this is always a tricky conversation when it comes to obviously training with more experienced higher ranking people as much as they are, will build you up to the point that you have to push yourself up a bit further and learn that much more, you then hold yourself to their standards, but without their ability. So then when you fall short, it then kind of 
I don't know, confirms any sort of doubts you have. So that's an interesting concept in itself. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, go on, sorry, carry on. If, so, if, if you're matched, I mean, yeah, you might you might get beat up in sparring, but if you're matched, if your coach or your trainer gets you matched evenly um, at your level, like just because I'm training with these people, it doesn't mean I am at their level or expected to be. You know, mm. it takes a lot of years of practice and training with those sort of fighters to, to get there. Do you know what I mean? So it's... It's, it's then it's when you've you're training with these people and you're getting beat up all the time i mean i've traveled the country for the last nine years or the last six years to get beat up and that's how i've got to where i think i'm ranked number four in the uk at the minute but um just drop it in there that's how how i've got to <laughs> yeah that's how i've got to got to that stage but um you notice when you go back and you spar with someone on your own sort of level and then you have a good spar or you do well against people that normally used to beat you up and suddenly you're not getting beat up as badly. That's when you start, that's when you start realizing, Oh, I'm actually getting better now. Do you know what I mean? Well, this is it. In regards of um, the whole hypnosis side, like I've had on Vinnie Shulman and face and famously he worked with um, Liam Harrison and that's made leaps and bounds to his game. So talk to me pre hypnosis. What kind of things was it really affecting? Was it before you got in the ring? Was it in training? Was it, in the ring what was your point you really needed to yeah so i think i think the the day of the fight i'd be so nervous i'd be a bag of nerves um i'd be i'd be horrible like me me and riffa we always joke about it like uh sort of sitting in the change room looking looking around looking for the fire alarm so you just set it off (laughs) just you know what i mean just like being so nervous and then um, don't get me wrong, nerves are good, but I think, and then I was just a little bit tense, stiff. There was just something missing. And I, it wasn't, it was Liam Robinson who who said, you. he noticed it with me and he was like, you need hypnosis. Some people don't. I mean, Daniel McGowan, he's never had hypnosis. He doesn't need it. His mindset was bulletproof. But I was just, um, I was just a bit too anxious, a bit too nervous. Never scared of the fight. Never scared of getting hurt. Just scared of failure. And I think, I mean, I think that's what most people are, most people are worried about. And a fear is fear sort of fear entraps people from achieving what they could be, what they could, what they're capable of achieving because they're scared or scared of what people might say. Don't get me wrong. I still get some of that. But once I step foot on the, in the ring now, I'm, I'm there to do a job and I'm just going to autopilot. Do you know what I mean? So I don't have that anymore. So with that initial fear you would have, where would that sort of stem from? Was it, I don't know, when you had your first loss, was it reminding of that? Was it facing people? What was your, I don't know, if you were to lose, what was the thing you were afraid to happen? I think it's, I think it's fear of what other people, what other people were going to think of you, (laughs) which, which is bullshit really when you're, getting in there and I mean most of the people that you're worried about losing or, or the people that are going to say something don't have a clue what you you're going for anyway so it's it's losing that fear I think that was the main thing is oh what are people going to say you know what I, I think and then obviously and I think at, at Liam's more because of the there was there were I was surrounded by winners you know like the 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 some of the best but all of them were at Panacos number one in his weight division Daniel McGowan number one in his weight division you know what I mean there were just so many of them they're all at a top level so it was kind of going back on that subject I suppose when I was there it was 
before the pre-hypnosis was the fact of, you know, like I've got something to live up to here. I'm at Super Pitch. I'm fighting for Super Pitch, and they're like the best gym in the UK, and I need to perform. And then I think I'd put too much pressure on myself, and then my performance would sort of show that, you know. Regards of like, again, I'm sort of jumping around timelines just for these yeah, sort right. of questions. So, when you'd have, I don't know, would you ever have lulls post-fight where you'd ever feel the need to go back on like sessions and kind of revert back to where you were? Like, I don't know, because it seems almost like if you were overwhelmed by that feeling of, I don't know, what ifs, what if, I can't be doing this, I'd imagine your comfort zone would then be the safe option, the fun option of going out with your mates and, you know. Nah, nah. I I think I knew what I wanted. I'd found what I, I, I found, like... I kind of, I know it sounds a bit like cliche and that, but I'd like found my why. Do you know what I mean? I loved mm. it. Like it was only ever fight day. You know, I might get the odd wave and I'm all oh, fucking fighting the weekend, but I was always excited for it. I, I, it's, it's definitely what I wanted to do. It was only ever, it was only ever fight day. Do you know what I mean? And then if I lost I, or performed shit, I wanted, I wanted to get back in there. I never wanted to quit. You know, I, it's not. This is what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? There's, I've, I've been, I've had, bad, I've suffered bad losses. You know, I've, I've seen people, I've seen people, uh, people training with me, win, 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 winning all their fights, and then have one bad loss, and then, then jack from a sport. I've had bad losses, so it doesn't really. I love it. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's never, that's never. I've never wanted to revert back to how I was. Do you know what I mean? It is interesting that because again, when it comes to, I don't know, because the way you sort of come across on social media, like you're very like open, very like sociable, very outspoken. So when it comes to these kind of big, open, honest things of having a fight, for it to then come up short for you, then to have that sort of, I don't know, doing it for your own reason instead of for an external reason is really interesting sort of transition with it. You see what I'm getting at. So instead of wanting to get out there to prove someone wrong, prove someone whatever you want to get back in there to sort of sort out your own right and then for your own substance and the own... I can't help but feel you've built up that kind of weight behind everything because of you were saying about traveling around the country to get beaten up and all this kind of stuff. You've put that groundwork in that's really given you that that why as such. Yeah, I've never... I mean, you, you think... I mean, I, so I, I run... It, you've got to want it. I, I want it. Do you know what I mean? I... I I run a, obviously I'm married with two kids. I've got a roofing business as well. So there's, it's, it's hard to, to fight, to get, even get to the level that I have without blowing my own trumpet. It's been, a, it's hard work. Do you know what I mean? So I'll, I'll get up at like five in the morning, travel to London, two hours from Cambridge or an hour and a half, work all down the roof. Then I, I used to dr- dr- drive home, see the kids for a bit, misses, and then I'd fucking, I mean, some nights I was driving to Wolverhampton three times a week to to train with Dean James and, and Prachal Sua and then getting home at 12 o'clock midnight and getting up at five in the morning, going to work, doing it doing it all again. Do you know what I mean? Just, yeah, so you've got to kind of... But this was another know, sort of area I really wanted to um, get into as well because obviously you said before you started, this is where you had your first kid. You had to really sort of, you know, get the reins of life and be an adult. How did you find making that time to retake this seriously, how did you find being able to, I don't know, go train in Thailand, all this kind of stuff? How was that sort of transitioning? It's fucking hard, mate. I ain't going to lie. Like, it's it's not easy. It's a constant battle. Like, it's a constant ba- balancing act. Do you know what I mean? Um, 
I'm lucky. I'm lucky I can earn quite good money roofing that I can fucking bribe my missus off with hot booking holidays and that and good family time or, or it, it would, you know, I'd probably lose my family. Do you know what I mean? So trying to do it all, it, it is hard. Don't get me wrong, but I, I can't, I, mean, I need to, do you know what I mean? I, I have to, but it, it is hard. It's um, the, the balancing acts just, yeah, it's, it's hard, mate. But that that's why if people tell me, if I obviously now I'm a coach as well, if, if you, I can tell when someone wants it or not, do you know what I mean? Like you you got to want it. If you want to get to any sort of decent level, then I can't accept excuses from people like, oh, I've got this, or you know, because I'm living proof that it can be done if you really want it. Do you know what I mean? It's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It isn't easy. And there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of, psychological stress do you know what i mean but if you want it you'll do it well that's another interesting point in itself is people say oh why don't you understand i've got these commitments and everything else i mean whether we accept the excuses or not if you've got a fight and you're not putting the work in regardless of your excuses you know you're not going to perform to that level and it's, it's, it. it's not nice but it's, it's facts if it's that's it i mean it's the the one trouble I suppose I do have now is um, the level of fights. Obviously, I'm in since. I mean, I think since sort of, yeah, since, well, the level of fights I'm at are always getting bigger, the opponents. So it's like, I have to, I'm lucky that I'm my own boss because I, before a fight now, I have to take off two, the two weeks before the fight, I have to stop working and just train like a tie do you know what I mean and and rest and train twice a day and do my runs in the morning and because I'm at that level do you know what I mean when I was fighting CEB class it, it, I could sort of wing it with training once a night and going to work and working all day but now I'm fighting A class fighting top top level opponents and you've got to it's just not it's not possible to fight at that level What's and your, not sorry. put in the work go on no go on What's your weight cutting been like throughout? Or have you always thought it like sort of natural weight? Have you had to do quite big cuts? Yeah, so um, this this will be what people wanting to talk about, I suppose, or hear about. Um, yeah, so I've I've um, I'm quite renowned for doing like people say drastic weight cuts, but I've always cut weight quite easily. Like, um, so I fought at fifty seven to six sixty one is like. Wherefore, I won a European title of 57, but my ideal my ideal fight weight is probably 59 kilos, I'd say. Um, but yeah, um, I used to make I used to make I've, I've had 29 fights, but 30 weigh-ins, and it's only twice I haven't no sorry 31 weigh-ins. It's only twice I haven't made weight, twice in the whole time. Um, and and the other times I've I've always been I've always been bang on. So I, I did get a little bad press when I last tried to make fifty seven kilos. Um I just couldn't do it and I made I, I put myself in a bit of a bad way. Um again that was yeah, it's it's, it's too too light. <laughs> so you're saying about you're making these kind of weights and trying to make it, what do you walk around at? I walk around at a minute I'm probably about seventy two kilos. But when I'm fit, I'm about 67. 
when I walk in the ring, I feel best like at 66 kilos. So what's but your... I can... Go on. What's your normal like nutrition and stuff? Because obviously roofing's like quite laborious, and you're how you what's your diet like? Are you eating enough? Because again, it's, it's always a bit of a a funny one trying to work out. Yeah, so I mean, that is that is the hardest thing with being uh, being a roofer and traveling the country. You're always on the go, and I, I do a lot of driving, so it's, it's I've got to stay alert behind the wheel, um, which. Yeah, so plenty, plenty of water, fruit and vegetables. I live off apples, mate. <laughs> I, I, I eat like probably twelve apples a day. That's where I get my energy from. Um, when I'm when I'm on my when I'm on my diet, um, like proper, and I'm just living off organic fruit and vegetables, and fresh fresh food, a lot of raw food. Um, that's when I feel best, and that's when I have the most energy. So how I don't know how. Do you manage your weight cutting? So say you're fighting in say eight weeks ideally. What would your process for losing that weight be? Just overtrain to try and burn it off? Is it Nah, so normally the first um what works, what I've seen to work best for me is, is I'll do like I'll do a lot of fasting it at the at the first, at the, the start of the uh wait. So if I'm seventy say if I'm seventy kilos and I've I've got a fight. 61 or 59 then i'll i'll start fasting um and i'll like do like intermittent fasting and that'll get me down to about 66 65 and then my weight will sort of stay there and it, it won't it won't come off anymore and then i'll switch to diet and i'll start eating like uh lean meat and fish and veg in the mornings but sort of start cutting the carbs out not quite as much fruit loads of water and then it and then it comes off and then a lot a lot of running uh, early morning running like fasted cardio I, i've always made weight quite easily really or i can i can make weights quite easily people will say it oh no it's probably it's probably i say easily 61 kilos i can make without <laughs> 61 kilos i can make without going in a sauna 59 kilos i'll have to go in a sauna but I do the water cutting as well on the week on the week of a fight. So I'll I'll, I'll water load on a Sunday night. I'll have eight liters of water. On a Sunday I'll drink eight liters of water. On a Monday I'll drink eight liters of water. Then I'll have four on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, half on Thursday, then 24 hours with nothing. Bit of couple of hours in the sauna on and off, or an hour or something in the sauna on and off. Boom, mate. Wait. So 95 percent. Time. I've kind of got to ask this now. Talk to me about your worst weight cuts, because there was a video. Right. I think was it you um, interviewing like on an absolutely awful weight cut or something, and you were just yeah. So, space so talk to me about your yeah that yeah that that video that um, it was horrendous. And uh, thanks to my mate Liam Harrison, he's made it go viral, and no one's ever let it uh, drop. That'll haunt me forever. That will. Um, so yeah, I was fighting John a chip chase, and the weight cut was fifty nine kilos. It, it it was the weight cut. The initial bit was fine. The last little bit, I I did lose a bit in the sauna, and I was dehydrated to fight like a lot of fighters are. And then um, I'd literally just stepped off the scales, mate. I was still sort of near, you know dehydration and I just stepped off the scale suddenly I was in front of the camera with the lights on and 
fired loads of questions at me and yeah, just sort of turned into a stuttering mess. <laughs> and that will haunt me forever. <laughs> so when it comes to your weight cutting then, are you quite, do you get quite ratty, quite hangry? Are you quite stoic? What are you like when you have to start, you know, the last push? Um, the last push is always quite horrendous. Riff will say I'm dramatic, but um, yeah, no, I'm all right. It's, it's just the last kilo that does me, to be honest. I'm I'm fine until the last kilo, and then it it fucking yeah, it always hurts. It always seems to be the last kilo. I don't matter if I'm fighting at 62 kilos or 57 kilos. It's always just the last kilo. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, it's not. I think. I always, no matter what weight I'm fighting at, I always kind of cut the same amount, if that makes sense. Yeah, the same sort of percentage. I mean? I might, yeah. I'll, yeah, the same percentage. So it's always, always the last. I'm fine with it all. I'm fine. I, I can. I'm still. Say, say I'm weighing in on a Friday. I can still. I could still hit pads on a Wednesday, like in a sweatsuit, full full power. Do you know what I mean? I don't. It's just the last key. It's the last hour that fucking does me. But the rest of it, I'm fine. Now, one of the most important and slightly controversial questions of the podcast, what is your post-fight food? Talk to me. Well, after after weighing? After you've had the fight, you've, you know, time to celebrate. What's oh, your... after I've had the fight. Um, crisps, man. Crisps. Salt and vinegar crisps. Discos. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's my mate. The only bad food i really eat is crisps like if i'm not fighting that's that's my main sort of flaw and other than that my diet is quite healthy like i don't really like shit food i don't eat i don't eat mcdonald's i don't eat much processed food um crisps is my is my only sort of thing i suck on doing really i was gonna say because if you're fasting most of the time anyway i mean you, <laughs> you can't really eat bad food if you're not eating anything but yeah it's... nah yeah so... it's just crisps that's the, that's my main thing so, regards to your training, then. So, have you ever spent much time out in Thailand? Uh, so yeah, I've I've had um, I've had six fights in Thailand. Um, I've been there seven seven times, but um, I've only ever gone for like two or sixteen day stints, because um, obviously running a business and then having two kids and a missus at home, I um, is I can't just fuck off for a long time. So. Um, yeah, I've been, I've, I, I try and go every year. So well, I do go every year, like, um, for two weeks, train, train out there solidly, have a fight, have a couple of days chilling and then come home. But yeah, no, I love Thailand. I love, I love fighting in Thailand. I prefer fighting in Thailand than England. There's a different sort of pace, different vibe. There's no, it's kind of like an everyday life. There's not as much pressure. You haven't got all the ticket selling it's just sort of i don't know i just i love it i don't i don't ever want to not do it <laughs> i'll still be there when i'm 45 i reckon well that's an interesting concept as well so tickets talk to me about say you're out there you say i want to have a fight what's your i don't know do they expect you to bring in a certain amount of things do you even get tickets or do they do the promotion themselves how does it all work no so um yeah you don't you, you just you just fight you get you get paid i mean it sells itself out. It depends where you fight, obviously. Um, like I, I fought, I fought all over. Well, I fought in Chiang Mai four or five times. I fought um, in Phuket as well, Patong Stadium, and I fought in Lumpini in Bangkok, like one of the main stadiums there as well. 
Um, but yeah, no, you, that's the thing. You don't have any of that. You just, you just, you just go out there, you just train, and you just fight. And yeah, it's just, it's just fucking, it's awesome. <laughs> How do you find the balance now, regards of coaching and training and working and having a family and everything else? Yeah, it's a fucking. That's what I mean. It's a, it's a nightmare. That's why. That's yeah. It's, it's hard, mate. It is hard. Um. So I've got like, I've got. I mean, the coaching and the training, the, the way we 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 run it is is. I can train in the class. What I try and do is, is um. Stagger like so. If I've got a fight, obviously I won't. I'll have my lads. I won't have my lads. Well, I just won't be fighting. I was going to say I'd have my lads fighting so I can focus on them. But I'll have my lads one month and I'll be fighting the next month. So it's not too near. So when, I, when I've when i got a fight, I can just focus on myself. And then when my lads have got a fight, I can sort of focus on them. Do you know what I mean? Because I've got quite a few. We've got quite a few um, coming through now. In we've got a good little fight team, which is another reason this coronavirus has really got to me. It's annoying because we had, we had so many fights. I think I've got like five or six fighters just sort of itching to go and, and coming through all at a good level, sort of bouncing off each other and getting just getting better every day. So, um, yeah, but the balancing act of it all, back to the original question is, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, mate. <laughs> it's hard. So regards of, we'll go into this a bit more then. So with the coaching side at the minute, are you guys doing any like remote stuff? Is it just sort of taking a backseat? What's happening? Well, we've had to shut. Obviously, Riff's had to shut the gym for because the government have told us to. I've managed to. I mean, I managed to do a lot, little bit here and there with Daniel and a couple of lads. I mean, the, m- most of my firm is uh, made up of like Thai boxers, so to speak. So, um, or people that train and fight. So I've just employed people, so we can we can manage to do a little bit together um, and that. But yeah. So it's not not much, mate. I'm missing it, missing it. That's probably why I'm a little bit more vocal on Facebook. <laughs> than, uh... I'm curious how much roofing you guys actually do. Do you sit there hitting pads all day long? What, what, are, you, what are you guys doing? Uh, it depends. I, I, I do enough. I do enough. I do enough. <laughs> I do enough. But if if um if I've got a fight, then uh I normally I slope off early with Daniel and <laughs> train. I'll sneak off. Um, yeah. So, regards to the coaching side, what are you like when it comes to getting people stuck in and being in the corner? Are you quite keyed up? Are you quite excited from? How do you normally feel being in that sort of in the coaching suit? Yeah, um, yeah, I love it. It's, it's it's good. I get I get nervous because I want them to do. Well. I get more nervous about when my fighters are fighting than I than just before they fight than when they walk into the ring than I get. Like, I don't get nervous when I walk to the ring now. I just get excited, but I'm a little bit worried because it's sort of, it's out of my control, isn't it? Like, um, just want them to perform well. But yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm quite experienced. I've been around it quite a lot for, for quite a few years now. And like I said, it's, I'm, they are I'm producing a good little fight team and some good good lads coming through. So, um, yeah. Oh, no, it's all right. I just love it. <laughs> I love everything about the sport, mate. How do you find training the different levels? Because obviously, if you're used to that professional standard, how do you find working with like beginners and like amateurs and stuff? Well, luckily, I mean, um, obviously, the, the the whole, like I said, the whole balancing act. I've got um, there's loads of people. I've got loads of people in the gym that um, that help out. 
with the beginners. So whereas I might more focus on the people who've got fights, I've got uh, like James Beard who who helps me. He's like sort of my right hand man in the class that helps coach, and then obviously Riffa helps as well. Um, and I've I've got quite a few. I've got Simon Biddle. He comes down and holds pads. Obviously, then Daniel comes in and pads me. I've got Roland, who's really good with beginners. So I've got a good group of people that are helping. I'm not doing it on my own, you know, so that everyone sort of mixes in and helps each other. So um, so that's how I get around that side of things, yeah. Because this is where I can imagine it'd be quite tricky, obviously, if you're used to people performing to a certain standard and also wanting it the same kind of way, like, you know, like you said about the hours you were putting in, those kind of... I don't know, sort of sacrifices. If you see the standard sort of, you know, get fitters, the beginners or whatever, and they're a bit like, oh, I can't really be asked. And I don't know, it must be quite hard to transition to that kind of setting standards and stuff. Yeah, well, this you've just got to put, you've just got to put the time in. Like you, well, I mean, when, when we, when the gym was first open, we, we sort of tried to put time into everyone. And, and as a, after a while, you just really, you've got to sort of, you've got to, the ones who put the time in, you give them more of your time. Like, for example, Josh uh, Thomas, um, he 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 he's one of my fighters. He started um, he started only like beginning of last year, but he was there every single session. He did everything he said, and like he was just always there doing it, do it, going above and more. He's one of them people you've got to sort of tell to stop stop training because he'll overtrain too much. So, the ones who want it, you'll notice them soon enough they'll put the graft in they'll be there they'll do it listen you know the, the ones that sort of there's a lot of talkers there's a lot of people that say they want it and then you won't see them for a couple of weeks and i mean then they'll come back and they'll be blowing and you know you know they've been out so you just got to sort of invest time everyone's welcome everyone's welcome you know but you invest more of your time into the ones that give you something back do you know what i mean I mean, this is always a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of an awkward coaching sort of issue of where to put the time in because when you get people, say like yourself, say if you were there, knowing that you'll probably go off to other gyms to then, you know, have your own career through other people, is then thinking, okay, what's more important at that point? Is it putting time on someone who's going to be here to then go off and make a name or is it more important to keep giving in to people who need the extra support to keep them motivated as such, if you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's I'm relatively new to coaching as well, so uh, I'm learning every day. Do you know what I mean? Um, you, you can't make you can't you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it, can you? Do you know what I mean? So it's just it's just one of them, really. I, I, everyone's on their own journey. Do you know what I mean? So I, I'm there. People people put time into us. I mean, the way Riff has sort of set up the gym, it's got a real good family vibe you know everyone's there's a lot of banter there's a lot of it's it's a good thing what we've got going so i i can't see i mean i've got like people like daniel coming in so I've, we've got a good solid training and it's been showing in the the level of of, of the lads that are coming through so i, I you know it is what it is i don't i don't tell anyone not to go train with other people though do you know what i mean i i've traveled i I travel to Leeds to get beaten up by Liam and that. <laughs> I travel and train with Patet, you know. So everyone's got to just do what's right for them. Do you know what I mean? Within within reason. There's a few things I want to sort of go into there. First of all, the Rough Diamonds guys, I've got a lot of time from them. I went over there for a grappling session ages ago. And they all yeah. make me feel so welcoming. They're all just so sound. Like, 
when it comes yeah. to going to new gyms, it was quite intimidating, quite daunting. And like, I think Steve's there's something about an open mat. So I came over after speaking to him, and everyone was just so welcoming. They've got a lot of time from, so yeah, shout out those guys. And um, yeah. regards of training with Liam and those kind of guys, obviously, when it comes to that level of competition and these guys of, you know, fighting the best of the best, what was it like training over there for the first time with those guys? Um. So yeah. So obviously, like I've 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 trained I've trained with a lot of top level fighters like Daniel, Dean James, Panacos, all these sort of levels. So. Um, yeah, it wasn't dawning, and, and Liam's Liam was my mate before I trained with him as well with uh, friends. But yeah, the level I'd say I've trained with a lot of top top level fighters o- over the years, but I'd say Liam is the best that I've trained with. Like, and until you actually train with him, spar with him, you, you sort of and you spar with other top level fighters, you really notice how good he is. Like, you can't. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, it's a different level. Like last time before, before my last fight, we were training up there, and he was fighting. Um, he was fighting on Rocco as well. Like I've sp- I've sparred with him. I've sort of had good spars and that with him. But the last time I trained with him, it was fucking. I think I did ten rounds with him, and it was just ridiculous. Like I literally, every time I've done anything, I would be find myself on the floor. He'd kick me three times, and then I'd go to hit him back, and he'd punch me in the face. Like. It's just fucking... There's levels to this sport. <laughs> and like, yeah, he's another level. What about him really stood out to you? Was it the timing? Was it the power? Was it the accuracy? What was the real kind of... I don't know, the thing that separated you guys? He, uh, speed. Speed, timing. Obviously the power, but he's he's so... Like, he's controlled. He doesn't... He, he don't... Um, he don't hit me well hard. It's sparring. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm. not like... He's obviously got the power and he could if it was a real fight, but he's sparring. But yeah, just the, the skill, like he can just read everything. And he's got so many tricks. Like people think, oh, he can just the like low kick and left hook. Like he's he's got so many. He's got he's so many tricks up his sleeve. It's unreal. Do you know what I mean? This is where it all gets really interesting about cut the intricacies of it. Because when you see it on face value, you say, oh, I was just punching and kicking, but no, there's so much more to it. It's all yeah. inch by inch, intricate details, and it's all, oh, it's insane. And this is what really sort of shows. And the fact they perform at the highest stage, like now he's fighting for one and all this kind of stuff. Regards of your career and more in journey to Muay Thai, say post-lockdown, what was your preference? What would you want to go into next? So... Um... Yeah, so I mean, it's it, sort of going back to where where we where we left off w- with the fight career. So um, it, it was like obviously I started, I wanted to have a fight, and then it, I started realizing I was get I was getting good, and um, and then um, kind of like always wanted to. I just love fighting, but then I wanted to sort of I wanted to um, obviously win a belt and stuff and. And then I had a I had a fight, um, my first fight for um, my first when I first belt I won the Liam Robinson Memorial Belt um, meant a lot to me. And I fought a Spanish lad um, called Karim, and um, and this was like oh yeah this was the this was the next big thing for me. It was like I've got a chance at a belt. Um, it's a like a fight against a European. Like it was like 
that was my goal then. So I was like, right, I've got to do this. And then sort of went out first round and um, I got hit with a spinning back elbow, broke my nose in the first round. <laughs> I remember coming back to the corner and uh, saying to Daniel and um, Scott and Sam, I was like, fucking hell, I'm getting battered. My eyes were watering, my nose was pissing out of blood. And I just felt like I'd had an absolute hiding. <laughs> and then they were like, no, no, you're doing all right. I think you're fucking lying to me. I'm fucked. I was just like, my nose was fucked. I couldn't see. And then I went out there and I just fucking just had a war from next f- f- four rounds. And I won like I batted him. But like, it was a good fight. So then it was like, I'd got my belt. So again, like you see some people, once they've won a belt, they suddenly sort of back off. So then my next thing was like, oh, right, I need to strive for better. I need to go back out and I want to go and fight in Thailand again against Thai. And then I was on a holiday with my on holiday with my family and um, I booked a fight. So I, t- I took my missus and my kids to Thailand and I sort of I did a little bit of training, but I couldn't really because I had to make the holiday good for them. And I was going running on the beach and then um, I, fought, I, I went to Chiang Mai and we, we'd been in Phuket for a week and we went to Chiang Mai. And I was fighting a, a tie. And the first time my kids had ever seen me fight. And it was in like a... And the first time they'd ever been to Thailand. It was in uh, Tape Stadium, which is in Chiang Mai. But it's like... It's proper ghetto. It's like... It's just like bars everywhere. There's foreigners all drinking. It's like real rowdy in there. And um, I fought this tie. And uh, in, in round three, um, he cut me twice. And I was pissing out of blood. And I cut him. And he, he had blood all over his face. My missus was she couldn't handle watching so she just went outside and smoking <laughs> all the noises she couldn't my kids were watching and um and i and, and i won and i uh, it was a fucking war but i won and, and i got stitched up after and i remember my son saying to me after he was like, oh, i knew you were gonna win daddy um because i believed in you and i was like and he was only six at the time and i was like and that that was like the sort of that's still probably my most favorite fight or highlight in a way of my career just having him say that fighting having a war both covered in blood in thailand and my son turned around saying that to me so that was like it's gonna be hard to top that like even now to this day that's still one of my most memorable fights but um then so i set myself other goals so it's like right um I then went on the, the in two after that fight. I went a couple of fights time. I went on and fought for European title. So that was the next thing. Oh fuck! I could be European champion here. I won. Uh, left kick broke his arm in the third round. Won a European title. Boom! Well, I should be happy now. Like, nah. So then it was like, right, next, next, next goals. I'm always wanting to achieve more. Do you know what I mean? So it's like looking. Well, what can I do now? Like, I've won a European title. I fought in Thailand a few times and won. Like, what's the next thing? So it was like, right, I, Palm Pet, uh, Daniels, one of Daniels' main trainers, just started training me and he, he got me in fighting Lumpini Stadium. So it's like, fuck, I can fight in Lumpini. Like, that's like, to anyone who doesn't know about Thai boxing, that's mm. like the the when, but I know you were talking with Daniel on the podcast. There's Rajadam there and there's Lumpini. They're the two main stadiums. So it's like the fighting at Madison Square Garden or, or, or you know, for boxing or, yeah, yeah. or, or, playing football at Wembley. So it's like, yeah, I got to get the chance to fight Lumpini. And um, yeah, I had a fucking stinker. <laughs> I had a stinker, got battered, but all, all because um, I'll just touch on this subject a bit because it's interesting for some people. It's like a big no-no, don't ever do it. So um, 
I, I didn't know my, who my opponent was. Well, I knew who my opponent was before, but I'd put his name into Facebook and I tried to, a couple of weeks before I couldn't find nothing. So I've gone to the weigh-in in Bangkok. Um, it's like, get there and you have to weigh in naked. It's really weird. Like, sort of skinny and that, and you get on the scales it's naked. It's <laughs> yeah, this is, everyone's looking at it. It's just weird. But um, and then so I got back to the hotel. I was on my own in the hotel room, and then my the promoter um, Numpontep he he tagged us both in a in a post like the weighing pictures and put us in a big po- post. And I was fighting him that night because you weigh in on the, the morning of the fight when you're fighting Lumpini. And um, I was looking at uh, looking at Facebook. So his real name was on there now. So I've clicked on it, thinking this is the day of the fight, mind in my head my biggest fight of my career I'm fighting at Lumpini Stadium um, my missus always says oh it's always the biggest fight of your career because it <laughs> but um, so yeah so I'm fighting in Lumpini Stadium and now that night and I'm in the hotel on my own just trying to rehydrate and I've clicked on him I've gone on his Facebook and I've gone on his last and all his fights his last three fights are on there and he's just fucking knocking knocking ties out with hands boom 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 vicious fucking boom um just yeah, just just battering them all with hands and, and like KOing them badly, and I was like, oh, fuck. So I just, I just don't like, basically don't ever. If you you if you look at your opponent a week, a month before, whatever, but don't on the fight of the day start looking at your opponent because it's just gonna fuck your head up. <laughs> so I've got it, got into this fight in Lumpini Stadium. So I'm fighting Lumpini Stadium. I've already made it a big deal anyway because it's like it's the biggest stage. I'm fighting Lumpini Stadium. I'm scared shitless of his punches. And I ended up going in there, so worried about what he's going to do. He, when we actually got into punch exchanges, I was punching better than him, but he just he just battered me with kicks and sweeps because I was so stiff because I'd fucked my own head up <laughs> um, by, by doing that. But yeah, so um, regarding on what I want to do, so I fought Lumpini. So then it was... I just always, always just striving for better, really. So it's like I'm, I'm sort of at that level. Then it was like um, my next fight after fighting Lumpini was John O'Chip Chase, who was someone I had always admired when I when I was coming up in the sport. And he he'd been in some wars, and he was like a well-known name in the UK for years. I never thought when I started I'd be then fighting someone like him. So then. Obviously, that was actually the the time when I had the horrendous interview that <laughs> um, that went viral, and then um, and then I beat him, um, quite like beat him convincingly, and then um, to the next fight was Jacob Smith on Yokal, so I was like, fuck, I'm gonna fight on Yokal. So Yokal's the the next big thing that people aspire to want in the country. It's the biggest show, you know. So I was like, right, I'm gonna fight on Yokal. So. I fucking went to went to Bangkok, and it's the only time I've been to Thailand where I didn't have a fight. I went to Bangkok and trained at Pechindi and um, Yokao Gym, uh, Pechindi with Daniel and and, and everyone, and um, yeah, trained for Jacob Smith, and then I fought Jacob Smith. Who Jacob Smith? Bearing in mind he'd in his last sort of ten fights, or he's literally every fight since 2016, he's run for his opponents. He's battered him. He's a, he's a fucking absolute workhorse machine. He, I had to st- unfollow him on Instagram because I'd gone on his Instagram. He's doing like muscle ups with a weighted vest or something. I was off. Right, I've learned from Lumpini. Do you know what I mean? Not to pay too much attention to what my opponent's doing and just worry about what I'm doing. So I fucking unfollowed him on everything. 
went in there. Um, a lot of people expected me to get smashed. Like there was people on the internet saying, "Oh, fuck, he won't last two rounds." Oh, I, I, I went out there and I've, I was cut. I've felt like well, I was doing a number on him the first two rounds. Started letting him back into it in the third, but I think I proved that I had the tools to beat him. Um, and then he threw me on the floor. And then I was on the when I was on the floor, he fucking booted me in the head. <laughs> um, so I actually won by disqualification but I still don't really class it as a win um, he's obviously now signed to one championship um, he's on to like bigger and better things there was talks of us fighting before but then I didn't want to ever go down to 57 again so I mean yeah so that was uh, that's always just striving for better and then I had loads of um, in 2019 that was the end of 2018 then 2019 I had lot like I had a, I was supposed to be fighting Isaac Araya, who's um, a big uh, like knockout artist and he's quite well known. He's from Spain, good fighter. Um, I was supposed to be fighting him for a European title. So again, that was a that was when I started going up to Leeds um, quite a bit. And Liam said he'd help me out because it was like obviously quite a big fight. So that was a that was my next sort of stepping stone towards better things. But um, two weeks before that fight. I fucking fell off a roof um, at work and broke two ribs in my back, and um, so I had to pull out of that. And then, and then I was supposed to fight another French lad at 57 kilos um, in June, and that's when I didn't make weight. Um, I nearly died making weight, and Daniel just said, "Look, enough's enough. Uh, you're not doing it." Um, so that fell through. So that was an unsuccessful year for the start of that. Um, for, for that year then I was supposed to fight Evan Jays I got offered a for Evan Jays fight but I'd separated my AC joint in my shoulder so I just had an absolute stinker from what was good, good like a good 2016 2017 really successful 2018 on a roll like up and up and up and then um, yeah just had an absolute stinker in 2019 and then obviously I got offered the Evan Jays fight again for the Muay Thai Grand Prix European title in London um, at the end of 2019. So um, took that. Uh, again, it was like people were unsure. It's like 50-50 fight. I took it really seriously. I'd watched him when it, as a young kid. He's really skilled. Um, his home show. And then, yeah, I sort of, I was expecting it to be hard, but I just kind of, I hadn't even got out of first gear and I was chopping his leg and then, I pretty much stopped him with low kicks and I fucking threw a kick when he went down, but I pulled it. It didn't, it didn't hit him. It didn't hit the head, but he was already stopped from the low kicks. But then, um, yeah, there were some fuckeries basically. I, I fucked it up. The kick was late. I, I shouldn't have hit him after the like as he'd gone down. So it was an illegal kick, but, um, the, the, they just scored it a no contest. So, which was pretty shit. Cause, I could have had another European title, but I fucked it up. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so then everything's up, up, up. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm performing well against all these these fighters. And then I, I, fl I was so pissed off with that. I flew to Thailand about two weeks later, booked a flight, flew to Thailand, flew to Thailand for five days, trained, fought a Thai who'd had over, over 100 fights, had a really, really good fight. Um, and, and just lost 
on points in the end. I, I got swept. I think all it was was I got swept once in the fifth round, and that just swung it his way. Um, so yeah, so that was like sort of. And then I saw like um, Jacob got signed to one championship and things like that. So I was kind of thinking, right, is achievable. You know, I could do that maybe next. So you're always looking for better. And then um, I took a fight on Yokao against uh, Mick Eslick and got fucking deleted with an elbow. <laughs> that was my last fight in March. So that sort of hope of uh, one championship or something like that has probably took a, a back step now. But to be honest, I'll just be happy if I can just live Muay Thai and fight as long as I can. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, just... Just keep loving living the sport, fight as much as possible, um, and yeah, and I'm happy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's so much of that to break down. So one thing I wanted to get into, whilst I still remember. So were you having to stop making weight because Dan told you to sort of stop? Talk yeah. to me about you at that point. Did you agree with him? Were you reluctant to stop? Were you in the brink of death? How did you actually feel when that all got called off? How far off were you? I was fucking brink of death. I, I think I, I, I fucked up the the weight cut a little bit. I think I, cut, I started cutting it too early. Um, and I, I laid dehydrated all night and I was, oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a few factors, but yeah, it was, I was in a bad way. Um, I looked like fucking Freddie Mercury on his deathbed. <laughs> it was fucking bad. I just felt, I, I, my kidneys were hurting. I think even if the, even if I had a thought, and the lad, the lad they, they basically they said, I oh, will. I offered the, the opponent um, my full fight purse, which was a grand, um, and to, to fight. Um, and I came in, I think, a kilo over or a kilo and a half over, but they, they didn't accept it. Um, we thought they probably would accept it if I offered the fight purse, um, but they didn't accept it. So, yeah, just. Um, just made the made the decision to move up to 61 kilos after that. Um, but yeah, like Daniel's Daniel's my friend. He was look he oh, I was fucked, mate. But he um, he called it. it. Was like, look, I'm not going to let you do it. So I was in no position to argue or whatever. He he made the decision and he looking after my well being. At the end of the day, I've got fucking I've got two kids. Do you know what I mean? But that's, I mean, yeah. So it's, it's shit, really. As unprofessional of me, but I shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have tried to make that weight. I think it was actually no, it was, it was fifty-six kilos. The fight was at. Um, I think I got to fifty-seven and a half. So yeah, it's just too light, mate. I mean, it's more of a case I was getting at to sort of see. I don't know how you'd have taken that because as much as you know, Daniel's looking out for you, but then also having. You know the weight you put in the fight itself, how significant these fights are to you. Mate, I think at that stage, I just fucking needed to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I literally got to the stage where I just didn't care about anything else other than drinking. It was that bad. It was that horrible. So how many still there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I must have um, cut out for a second. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no worries. So, regards of um, what your sort of goals are and everything else, 
What is it you're looking for from this? Is it a specific title you want? Is it an itch you need to scratch? Is it sense of fulfillment? Or is it just, you know, whilst you're in it, see how far you can get? What's your sort of mindset with it all? Yeah, I just I just love everything about it, mate. I just I wanna f I wanna strive for better. I wanna have some good fights. I wanna fight like sort of top level opponents, like top UK like whatever really. I mean whatever I get offered. I mean, obviously I'd love to uh I'd love to everyone everyone I think everyone who could strive would love to fight on one championship but I mean whether that happened whether I, I get that way or not I, I don't know really just I just love the sport I just want to fight for as long as possible I want to fight in Thailand more just whatever opportunities I haven't really I haven't really got anyone in particular that I want to fight I mean I might um that uh, Francesco from Nolsey's Academy he he had a good performance against um, John O'Chip Chase. Um, he's number two in the UK at 59. I wouldn't mind once it kicks off again. I wouldn't mind fighting him. Um, just see what I get offered, mate. I just want to fight for as long as possible. I keep keep in the sport. Um, yeah, I just love it. I love I love being fighting fit. I love training. Just just love it. I haven't got my eyes on anything in particular, so I just. Just to keep competing for as long as I, my body allows me to, to be honest. So outside of training, like Muay Thai training specifically, do you do any sort of supplementary stuff, any like strength conditioning, any kind of mental stuff outside of this? Uh, I do. I do quite a bit of meditation. Um, I started getting into like a some of the Wim Hof ice bath kind of things, and and that I feel that helps your mind and body. Um, I do strength and conditioning, sort of uh, like clean jerks and squats, deadlifts, bit of chest press to, to uh, support my shoulder. Do a lot of running. Um, I like to do a lot of running on the treadmill, but I've been doing quite a bit of running outside since lockdown. Um, so yeah, just yeah, I do quite a bit. But to be honest. I like to train Thai boxing, clinch, pad, sparring. That's like my main, my main training. Like that's that's what I love. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, where can people find you? Um, Super Pet Sifo on Instagram. Obviously, Simon Forrest on Facebook or Rough Diamonds MMA. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. And this episode has been sponsored by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout on MaulerMMA.com for 20% off on all products.